One of the most interesting applications of statistics and modeling in recent years has been this example of iBuying in the real estate market. Because not only are you putting enormous sums of money at risk, people were actually saying it was working and an entire startup, which a friend worked at called Opendoor, actually made a much bigger competitor, Zillow, sit up and pay attention and try to copy them. And then, even more dramatically, this year it failed. It seemed like originally it was just a Zillow thing, like Zillow screwed up somehow, but Opendoor seems to be suffering as well for now. It's an interesting story of economics and software and executive decision making. And so I really enjoyed the Not So Standard Deviations podcast discussion about it because you rarely get to hear the data scientist's perspective about this. So here's part one, which just explains the Zillow situation. The short version, let's see if I can summarize it, is that you know, Zillow has this like buying and selling business of houses, right? Which is which was new for them. And I think the key to, to this, and, and they kind of been running it for a while and it had been making some money. Uh, but then like two weeks ago, they just abruptly shut the whole thing down. Um, and, and like, you know, fired or laid off like 25% of their staff almost. Oh, wow. Which is okay. like, that's a lot yeah. of people, right? I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. that's a lot of people. Um, and I think it, it was originally going to be this huge growth area for them. At least the CEO kind of thought so. And, um, and their goal was not to like buy low and sell high, um, but rather to just kind of create a market for houses. Um, so to kind of like be a market maker so that, so anytime someone wants to sell, there's a buyer and anytime someone wants to buy, there's a seller. Um, Interesting. So just kind of hold on to them and like fill in when the market's slow. I mean, hold on to them in a sense of like months, not years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're not like, they're not in it for the long haul. Build in tolerance. Yeah. Build in like, a, yeah. The problem is that like the housing market is like it's out of control right now. So it's and and so I think they're and so the issue is that they have to make offers to people who are selling their houses, right? And their offers are you know based on whatever algorithm they've got to estimate the value mm, of the house, right? I see the problem right here. So they were like, let's scale the ability to buy houses. Like we don't want to have to send people out to every house. Right. I mean, the whole point, there's a couple of companies that do this now. They offer, they offer you cash. You take the cash. They take the house. They go in there and basically do some minimal kind of, you know, improvements so that it's like, you know, it'll pass inspection or whatever. Right. Um, and then they sell it off, you know, a little bit later. Yeah. But all, I mean, I would assume that almost always part of that process is a person going into the house. Only after it's been bought. And like looking at it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so the point is that they don't have to like go to the house to assess it before the sale. They can just this use is it. A, this is a bad idea. Who <laughs> thought this was a good idea? Like, I... well, the the biggest company that does this now is Open Door, I think. So, um, do they at least send like an assessor to make sure that they're not being like defrauded? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that would defeat the whole purpose of this. So they just have to assume that everyone's on the up and up and there's no like secret problems. Well, presumably their secret algorithm can suss it out. Oh, come on. That's <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing that I think is interesting about Zillow though, because Zillow has been around for a while, obviously, and they have this so-called Zestimate thing, right? Which is which people use to like figure out how much their house is worth or whatever house is worth. Yeah. But I think like that goal, like how much how much that question of like how much is my house worth? is fundamentally different from like how much should i offer to this person who's selling their house 
Oh, a hundred. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, especially if the market is moving very quickly. Cause there's um, not an objective capital T truth. Even if there were, it wouldn't matter. Right. I mean, I think it's like, what is this person willing to take is the question. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. but part of the problem is that they've got this website called Zillow, <laughs> which has like the estimate of value right there. Right. And oh, so, funny. So they're both, they're like playing, they're showing their hand a bit. Well, it's, Maybe, but it, it, it seems to be that they essentially originally were offering, were making offers that were too low. Um, and so a very small number of people were taking them. Mm-hmm. And so they started increasing the offer, right? But the problem is that like how high you can go depends on like what your forecast is for what that house is going to be worth in like three months, right? Yeah. And if your forecast is that it's going to be like, you know, skyrocketing, then yeah, it doesn't matter what you offer. Like, you know, it's just... You're gonna make. You're gonna be fine, right? Well, oh, right, right. But if your forecast is off, right? <laughs> yeah. Then you might lose money on that transaction. So, are you saying that, like, if the forecast is good, then the person will expect more? Well, well, yes, the person will probably will expect more. I mean, if they're doing their own forecast, that is. Um, but if Zillow forecasts that the price is going to be a lot higher, then they can afford to make a higher offer because, you know, they they know that three months down the line, they're going to be able to sell this thing for more money. Yeah. Of course, no, quote unquote, no is they know it based on whatever their forecast is, which is, you know, may have been based on profit or not. <laughs> yeah. Wait, OK. I'm confused about what what's wrong with this system that you just described i think technically speaking there's nothing wrong i think it but it it depends critically on your ability to forecast prices into the future yes of course yeah yeah Yeah. and i think that's ultimately what they said they couldn't do they just they weren't able to forecast housing prices three to six months into the future yeah well so there you go so now you have a bit of context as to zillow and the whole i-buying situation when this was announced and zillow stopped the i-buying program they actually lost $10 billion in market value, about 40% of their stock market value at the time. And some people blame it on Profit, which is a Python library that was being used. So Profit is this, R, uh, well, not R, it's like an R library, a software library, right, for forecasting. Yeah. In fact, we had we had Sean Taylor, the author of it, on this podcast to talk about the launch of Profit. Exactly. Which was episode 35, I believe. Oh, I'll, nice. You've yes. got it already. I think I... Um, so, yeah. I mean, to catch people up, someone who I can't even, I can't, in my head, it's like an anonymous data science person, although I don't think it is. It's just someone with like a handle that's confusing. So a data scientist who clearly works in forecasting tweeted out like a pretty um i don't know what to call it adversarial incendiary tweet. incendiary tweet about he dug up some job listing for a zillow data scientist that i think was in the the like zestimate group i think i i anyway he dug up a job listing where the only technical package like the only package or like specific library that they mentioned was profit right in terms of like the requirements for the job yeah it was like expertise and profit is like preferred right um and so this person was like of course this is bad they like mentioned something for babies like a black box for babies type thingy (laughs) right (laughs) 
And like, just, I mean, throughout, I kind of like look back in this person's tweets and I'm like, yeah, this is someone who like tweets out incendiary, like, you know, someone who's like, I'm edgy. Like, I, <laughs> I say it like it is. Like, I'm not afraid to use. Like, when you said that, I re- do you remember that Simpsons episode with the, uh, where they like introduced that new character? No. Like it was like a, I can't remember what his name was. It was like the mouse. And, anyway, he was like he was like super edgy. You know, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember his name. Okay, I'll think about it. But go on. Wait, is it the clown? No. No, no, no. it was yeah. like I can't remember. Uh, Smoochie, yeah. Smo- something like that. Oh like, yeah, yeah. I think okay. okay. Anyway, yeah. go on. Anyway, go on. Yes. Yeah, so it's like that personified as a data scientist, and um. And I kind of like played along with it, which I, I have some regrets actually. Anyway, but um, I, I mean, I'm like friends with Sean and I think Sean's been pretty open about his ambivalence about that package at this point. <laughs> You're right, even though I he think was, he yeah. was more positive when he was on our podcast. And I think that he's like all of us has like gone down the cynical path a little. Um, I think, yeah, I, I even when he's was on our our podcast, I think he was reserved in his excitement and said that i think he felt even from the get-go that it's like useful for some purposes but like you know you can't get out of hand with it you know totally yeah and i think that he's yeah and i think we talked a lot about the pros and cons like his thing was basically like there's a lot of people at facebook who use excel's built-in forecasting and so i wanted to make something that was better than that but just as easy yeah yeah. And then he also made the back end available. So that's why you have data scientists using it also. Right. Um, and we kind of went back and forth on whether there's like a net positive or net negative from that. Cause you have on the one hand, people are using something that's hopefully better than the Excel forecasting. Although I assume that the Excel forecasting isn't terrible. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't either. But presumably it's a little more sophisticated and then but then the con is that you have people using it and so i feel like in some ways this was probably like sean's worst nightmare of how this would get used like <laughs> like let's take the narrative as a given that profit was used for this estimate and it like messed up the housing market in san francisco <laughs> like that would be probably his like nightmare of what would happen with which it. isn't which isn't what happens just to be clear it is or it isn't i don't think it I don't think that causal connection can be so easily made. I think that the housing market is messed up in San Francisco for many reasons that are much deeper than, than the profit, profit being yeah. used by Zest, like by Zillow to create estimates yeah. that are. I don't even know if Zillow was actually buying houses in San Francisco. That's good. Yeah, uh, I think they were. I think they were. Kind of nuts. Oh, okay. Well, Maybe there you were. go. Yeah. Uh, a woman who's a VC at Amplified, specifically working on like data stuff. Her name's. Sarah Catanzaro. Okay. Catanzaro. I don't know how to say it. Um, but she uh, she got kind of like pretty mad about it. Um, I think she was in part just responding to like how how negative the tweets were, like how condescending they were, which I do agree they were really condescending. Um and was kind of like, this is pretty insulting to the people who work there. There's lots of other forecasting problems that they could be using this for. And like, and it's kind of hard for me to really believe that if they, if they had more than one data scientist, that they were really just using profit for his estimates. Like, so I was kind of having fun with it, but then I was like, eh, this actually 
I kind of agree with her, but I also kind of agree. With, I don't, I realized that I was just like, I'm, I'm truly in the middle of these two perspectives. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's your thought on it? I mean, okay. There, there's like the job posting, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, who knows what they're going to be doing, right? What that person's going to be doing, right? Yeah. I genuinely do not like a job posting that mentions a specific package like that. Like, I. Okay. Well, I mean, in some ways, it's like, I. It is. It does feel a very, very presumptuous to me. Like. Yeah. And it's like, why limit your hires? I can understand not wanting to hire someone who's like, let's rip it out. And like start from scratch and it it just it it kind of is like, hey, we want someone who fits this very is a is a cog in our existing machine, I guess. Right, exactly. Yeah. And like you're gonna pick up this package and run with it. Yeah. Which in some ways I actually wish places were more like honest that that's what they want from people. <laughs> so <laughs> So that's why I'm like, I'm on both sides here. Cause in some ways I'm like, well, it's good. They're being explicit about like their expectations, but also like kind of shows a lack of sophistication of what they were expecting. I mean, I think my issue with the whole thing was that like people were so like, the, <laughs> I, I, I don't really want to get too much into the weeds, but like profit uses a very specific style of forecasting model. Um, and, and the argument that other people were making were like, Oh, that's the wrong model. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. The person who had like the bat the the mean tweet came out with like a super long blog post and I was like, scroll, scroll. Like I I should read it, but it was so tech. I was like, this is so technical. I get how this person got going, but I also like don't care that much. So. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> and so part of me is like, okay, I mean <laughs> Yeah, you literally I forgot that you actually work in this field. Like <laughs> you do forecasting. So I actually don't do a lot of forecasting, but I just remember thinking that I remember at the time when the package came out that it was interesting because it didn't do a lot of this other kind of stochastic modeling. Uh, and it was quite a simple kind of approach. Um, and, uh, well, simple is not the right word, but it's a very kind of, uh, I guess, simpler approach maybe. Um, and, you know, it's, so it's like, uh, it, it, but the, I guess the, un, the un, what's the word? The unspoken argument is that well, if they'd done this other modeling approach, then like everything would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. come on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I agree with that, actually. That's a good point. I mean, I guess the profit in the job listings speaks to like a naivete. And I think actually, it's almost like I would rather that they, if they had more sophistication, it might be that that job listing wouldn't have even existed because they'd be like, we can't solve this. Like, <laughs> this is a bad decision. Oh, the other thing that Sarah was making, the point I did agree with her was that the decision making is not on the data scientist's shoulder, which I felt like the other person was making too of like, oh, this is probably data scientists going with like 12 asterisks in their like in their analysis and saying that it was only so confident, but then the executives running with it. So they kind of are making the same points there. Like it, ultimately this is about executive decision-making, which may or may not even be related to the data right. science. Yeah. I think this is a fascinating tale, maybe a cautionary tale and just a general software and business of software tale, which is that one, an open source library 
that is meant to be simple, meant to be easy, can spiral way out of control just because it's easy to use, not exactly the best tool for the job, but it's just easy to use and therefore used a lot. And two, recruiting can place a bad image on the company by not really understanding the lingo and what it means when you're sort of displaying that um, thing in a job title. And three, that people will blame the software and the engineers when actually the blame probably lies at the executive level. When decisions like this are made, there's always error bounds and confidence intervals. And the decision to bet too hard or to fudge the numbers too much in one direction cause this and not so much the models themselves. But I think the feedback was also interesting. I think the nuanced 50-50 approach that uh, Hillary took in the podcast was also interesting.